You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Paul, I'm excited for this You week. should be. You should be. We have a hammer to drop tonight. Oh, we do. You actually uh, got ahead of me. I was ready to drop the hammer, and you dropped the hammer by saying we're going to drop the hammer. Oh, boy. This is what we call getting meta. <laughs> the metaverse i don't know anywho welcome to the show if you're new hi jason here paul there um we as i mentioned maybe three weeks ago now we are gonna dabble in uh not dabble we're gonna dive feet first head first and not how you dive but into patreon we are gonna get into patreon it's gonna start july 1 and uh we're gonna tell you the perks and the cost of Patreon for us uh, at the end of the show. So stick around to the end of the show so you can find out why you might want to spend a couple bucks to get some extra stuff from these guys. Yeah. But before then, a few things to get to. One, we're going to dive into the new Painted Shield 2 record from yep. Stone's band, Painted Shield. And then we'll dive into uh, a series of well, it's not a series of, it's a series called Essential Song. What is the essential song from each album? We've done a few. We have done, what have we done here? We've done Verses, Binaural, mm-hmm. Riot Act, and that's it. So today we're going to do Vitalogy. And after that, we will do our lyric and live cut of the week per use. So without further ado, um, I got to say I'm rested. I'm relaxed. My skin is is tanner than it was, Paul. Oh. I said without further ado, but I'm giving you all the ado. Um, this is true. I just got to tell you guys, I had my first vacation in five years last week. Wow. Without children, by the way. Oh, yes. This is so, true. So I recommend everybody find some time because you don't know you need it until you have it. Yeah, and you, so I you can't, look uh, you you're glowing right now. Well, Jason. you know it's probably the uh, impending sun cancer, skin <laughs> cancer. Uh, no, I I, uh, I have a certain glow, and uh, I'm probably about eight percent tequila right now. But um, you know, life is good. So it, it, my point is, is that everybody needs to go ahead and take a few moments. You know, if you can get out for a couple of days, do something different, relax, regenerate. My point is, is that now if, if I suck in the podcast, I have no excuse. Before I had plenty of excuses. Now, no excuse. So I apologize in advance. Anyway, marching on to the main topic. Painted Shield 2 record. So I'm going to dive through each song kind of quickly. Um, just These are my knee-jerk reactions. And then Paul will kind of sum it up for us all. Um, let's get started. Drink the Ocean. I really, really love the production on the drums in this song. I think the synths augment the fuzzy digital sounding bass very well. This song has, and, and what we'll come to find out, this song for me has a lot of a perfect circle vibe going on here, mm-hmm. which I which I do really much enjoy. Um, I will say, and this is kind of probably a microcosm for the rest of the record, if only Mayor James Keenan was the one singing. Put that out there. Um, I think it's a very, very cool wah-wah solo from Stone. Haven't heard much from him in that way in, in, in Pearl Jam's stuff, so I really enjoyed it here. The actual vocals, um, playing with the solo is also really cool. And I just, I think it, it's interesting how the song kind of decays into this binary sort of electronica thing, which mm-hmm. is not usually my thing. Um, but when we get to the end, I'll, I'll t- tell you why I think this works for this um, album and this song. The next track is called Alien. More really cool drum work from Matt Chamberlain. I think the analog drums and the guitar, plus all the digital soundscape stuff, um, is really mixed and balanced well on this song in particular. 
moving from there into till god turns the lights on really enjoyed this one uh much more bluesy rock feel to start it's got a really fat bass riff um it's a simplified riff and i really like that uh lovely keys kind of dancing all around I, again the backing vocals and the chorus are fantastic the keyboard solo or the keys solo organ whatever you want to call it digital piano not digital piano electric piano perhaps um i couldn't really tell what the instrument is really really cool off the key change in the middle of the song and i love the message here you know we're gonna jam until god turns the lights on and, and you know yeah. thinking about god turning the lights on kind of like at the end of every pearl jam show Ed asks Keeley to turn the lights on. That's how you know the show's over kind of thing. So I thought that was a kind of a cool, cool vibe there. From there, we go into Bird's Nest. Really interesting effect on the bass. Kind of like a, a digital wah, if that makes sense. And I don't know um, how to really even characterize this song. It's very strange. Um, not saying I don't like it. I just It's just very unique to my ear. I do like how this is an interlude within the album it's a little break from the usual thing we've come to expect from these guys um but then we come back with fourth of july into something we're a little bit more used to there is a really cool um acoustic pattern from stone at the outset again backing vocals add a lot uh and again a very fuzzy bass an amazing drum pattern from chamberlain throughout a proper hard rock chorus not sure mason's vocals for me work on the harder stuff however it almost feels like kind of out of place however i can see that some people may really enjoy it in the same way that people really enjoyed billy corrigan's voice for the smashing pumpkins because it doesn't sound like it's meant to fit with that style of rock and roll but it may for some people and i think fourth of july especially after hearing it the first time and not liking it a year ago i do like it more the second time i've heard it or at least a year later now we get into Dead Man's Dream, which I think a lot of us have heard. It's, it's kind of the de facto single, I think, um, from the past couple of months. It's another rocker, bouncing funky bass line. Stone is doing his best arena rock guitar riff thing on this one, which I love, of course. Um, probably my favorite track on the, on the album thus far. Not so Which one? Dead Man's Dream. Okay. Um, I think it's got a really cool production technique on the bridge, kind of isolating instruments um, in this uncharacteristically weird panning uh and then the classic sto uh, short stone solo to boot so kind of more more of a stock song from from their perspective but i like it it's kind of my it's kind of my thing from there we go into life and rewind i love the slowdown very southern uh soulful vibe a lovely chance for keyboardist and backing vocals which i've mentioned before Bernie davis to really shine in the spotlight so i'm glad to see she got the chance uh, this song could have been written in any decade. It's kind of yep. a classic in how it's in how it was done, which I really appreciate. From there, we go into Fallen Out the Sky. A really fun groove here. Brittany Davis again taking over the chorus and vocals pretty much after the first verse. She's killing it again. Uh, maybe the most fun song on the record. And I love the outro solo balancing with the keys and vocals again, uh, as they did earlier in the record. And I love a good false ending too, as I as I think I mentioned when we reviewed whoever said. So the second to last song is called White. Slower tempo, mellow acoustic strumming. Uh, not my favorite vocal airing. Uh, it, it, it might be a duet. It might be just vocal airing. It's hard for me to really tell. This feels like the most Mason song on the record. And I don't really mean that as a compliment per se. It's, it's kind of a little too weird for my taste. And the melody is not as accessible as I would want it to be. Um, so for me, it's not as interesting as pretty much anything else on the record. So that's unfortunate. Um, but we do end with Full Moon in the Daylight. Um, I'm not sure what the allure of singing atonally is, mm -hmm. but Mason really likes to do that. Yeah. And I say that not as a judgment per se, because there's a lot of world music that does a lot of that. It sounds out of tune to us but it's actually just kind of finding the the spots within the the um spectrum or the octave that we are accustomed to hearing um another song where the music doesn't really do a lot for me personally synthetic beats straight digital key sounds suggest harmonies but i can't really make them out per se digital bass line is kind of meandering for me the best part of the song is towards the end when the piano has a solo 
um, slash lead. I actually enjoy that that beat synth stuff happening in the background when it's augmented by the real piano thing um, happening around it. So that's kind of the the short and quick um, song by song. I'm curious as to uh, your overall thoughts, hearing all of that in context with how you listen to it. Well, you know, the, the first record had kind of like a, a roots rock feel to it. You mm-hmm. can get some sense in there, a little moodiness, but um, I feel like this record was kind of defined an ambitious track for stone specifically but you really do feel the the wide sensibilities and creative influences of of every one of the band members from from Britney to Matt Chamberlain, Mason Jennings, Stone. You you get kind of a a break from formula. It really is oh, for in sure. a lot of yeah, it, it's it's very avant-garde in a lot of ways, but it, it's all over the map, man. There there's no cohesion to it and I don't mean that in a critical way. Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah I, I found it really, really interesting as an exercise into the levels of experimentation and the capacity for Stone as a musician. And, and, and it really excites me about what he'll bring to the table on the next Pearl Jam record. You, you can see a song like Buckle Up, where that comes from. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you listen to this and it's there's a certain quirky nature to it that I think is very, very um, present on an album like this one. And I think that that's an underrated quality to what he, and it's not something I think that we, we got a lot from him early in Pearl Jam's career. You know, he was kind of the one writing those signature rock riffs, you know, those classic rock riffs that define the band for so long up until Vitology, which was so ed-driven as far as, as the lack of collaboration, I think, yeah. um, in, in the catalog. But, <clears throat> of course, things have shifted since, and, and I think that they've embraced that, that concept of collaboration. And this is an excellent job of, of, of a Pearl Jam band member's exploration into the potential of collaboration and how just letting everyone be free to be themselves and not trying to fit the record into anything other than just whatever it is. It really makes it unique. Um, There's a lot of freedom to this record. Oh, there, there's so much. It's, there's, it's funky at times with these, these funky basses and these, these synthy guitar solos. Um, I kind of, the, the, the process of it felt very postal uh, service to me in the sense that they're like oh, sending yeah, things sure. to each other and, and they're all kind of tracking it at home. Um, you know, what's going to fit, what's not going to fit. And they, they just kind of just flip things over and then over again and then turn them inside out and then flip them again. And then that's what we end up getting. And, and you had Josh Evans serving as, as a producer and, and you, Somehow, like like I said, there, there, it didn't seem like there was a, a lot of cohesion to it. There is, however, a common um, sense of eclectic and a common sense of diversity in ways that, that are complementary. And I think that that's important. So it doesn't feel like a, a mishmash compilation. You know what I mean? That's not the way it comes. It, it very much feels like, a, like an album. Um, you mentioned Life and Rewind. It's very, very soulful. Uh, beautiful, beautiful track. It's one of my favorites on the album. I thought that it was uh, kind of had a really cool, timeless country vibe to it, like you mentioned. I really enjoyed the first track as well, like you, Drink the Ocean. It just felt deep. There was a depth mm-hmm. and vastness to it. And that that soundscape really draws you in. I thought that it was, uh, you really felt the the um, the gravity of that. That, that whole idea of drinking the ocean, you know, so much soulful depth to that track. And 4th of July, I thought was uh, another solid track too. Very underrated. Enjoyed that one quite a bit. The other tracks I thought were very interesting. In some cases, they, they stood out. In some cases, they, they were very quirky and funky, um, but not necessarily affective for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all, 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 uh, gosh, uh, it's the type of record that I thought demanded a 
re-listen. And that alone, I think, makes it worth worth your time. So you're you're saying, if I'm reading you correctly, you're saying that you enjoyed it more than the first record. Yes, actually, I did enjoy this second outing, this endeavor a lot more. Um, I felt that there was enough diversity to it, and there there was enough happening in the record. There there were I felt like every measure was a surprise. There was something different in every song. I didn't feel that. And that's why I said the lack of cohesion and continuity is not a bad thing. I didn't mean mean that in a critical way. Right. If anything, I felt like it allowed me as a listener to feel a certain sense of excitement at the discovery of the unknown. And like I said in the past, you know, this is what I like about Pearl Jam and the direction they're moving in is that they're starting to push the boundaries a little bit. There are no boundaries on this painted shield record. I mean, it is, uh, <laughs> it, it is stripped bare of, of, of any semblance of boundaries. It just goes and goes and goes in every direction all at once. And, and I think it's a, it's, it, it's a hot mess <laughs> in, 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 a, in a beautiful way. I, I think you're right. I think that the, the fact that it is kind of all over the map is a good thing for the album and a good thing for Stone. Because as we said last year, when the first record came out, we were happy and excited that he was able to kind of get this stuff out of his system. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there, maybe there's some things that would not have fit on a Pearl Jam record, but maybe he, that was the riff that was in his brain and he would maybe would have tried to force it. Who knows? But he has this outlet to get some of the more avant-garde, to your point, stuff out in, in, in a place that it's meant to live. And so he has that outlet, which is great. Um, I think I really enjoyed each instrument more on this record because on the first one, it felt kind of like it was Mason and Stone just kind of creating this stuff. And then the rest of it kind of filled in the gaps. Whereas Britney is super present. Matt Chamberlain's drumming is super present. Um, It felt like a group that, that wrote songs together, not just hired guns that came in to fill in the gaps which i appreciated i wish the the for me that the album didn't peter out at the end because i think the right last yeah are pretty I, weak considering honestly i i would have been fine with it ending with um life and rewind i thought that yeah. had a it had a very um all around the bend feel to it you know <laughs> i thought it would have been a great way to end an eclectic album after all i, I will say um i think there's a couple of riffs on this record from stone that are some of my favorite from his in a decade yeah. So that's that. It's saying a lot, and I'm not saying this is one of those records I'm going to put on all the time because sure. it's it's not necessarily my um, my home base for musical genres to listen to. But like you, I enjoyed it more than the first one, and I think it just it was a more um, consistent record in how free it was, but each selection being what it meant to be. And you know, I mentioned earlier how. I generally don't like the electronic type of stuff, but what I came to realize was I don't think I like electronic drumming. Ah, Everything else I'm really into because for 95% of this, it was, it was, you know, the analog drum kit for Matt. And it sounded the way it was produced and recorded sound. Like I said, it sounded very, a perfect circle to me. I love the drum sounds in those records and you have the, the, the digital um, electronic stuff to fill in those gaps around it. And it works for me that way. That's just me. Um, but that's probably why I didn't take to clairvoyance until I heard it live. <laughs> I right. Yeah, around. I know. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so we both enjoyed it, which is good. And uh, I have to say, based on the trajectory, Panic Shield 3 should be pretty interesting as well. Indeed. Right, so let's, <laughs> that might be a Jackson Pollock painting at that point. Just. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, the next segment called Essential Song. Like I said before, we're doing Vitalogy. You got to pick one song that mm-hmm. encapsulates the record. One song. That's it. What is the microcosm? What is the, the someone says, what's Vitalogy in one song to, to you? And you got to say, this is this one. So, Let's start with you. What do you, what do you say? What's your, what's your pick? Well, you know, my first go around with this, mm-hmm. vitology as a word means the study of life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you start thinking about the tracks that are on this album, 
there is a compelling argument to make a song like um hey foxy mop handle mama that's me god damn it <laughs> the essential song don't do for that a couple of reasons I, I i'm just saying there's a compelling argument in the sense that it's literally loop recordings of real patients in a psych hospital okay? yeah it, the study of life i mean it's literally an active live so organic you didn't want anybody in, in 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 out there to ever want to listen to this band sure uh, fair enough but I'll, also <laughs> i could i could also say that you almost can't think of vitology without that because so much of what the album is known for in addition to the, the amazing songs that are on it are a lot of the things that were criticized as filler or or weird or, or you know really eccentric mm-hmm. or i've always said it was the band's white album you know what i mean mm-hmm. so I, while i'm not saying that hey foxy mop handle mama that's me is the essential song on this album i if if you were to say to me that it was i won't i i, I know you wouldn't but if anyone were to <laughs> I, I i see the argument there. Uh, i think it's a compelling fair argument enough. And, yeah. okay so that would be my runner-up quite frankly oh um okay I, I, you just you can't have vitology without it. i don't care what anybody says anyway put in a bumper sticker sure <laughs> Okay, the actual song I think I'm going to go with. So much of this album is is very Ed driven, mm-hmm. and a lot of it seems to center around um, trying to deal with the pressures of fame and, and and the loss of privacy that comes with that. So I, I think if, if there was ever a song in the catalog that truly captured that, it would be Corduroy. So I, I'm going to go with Corduroy, even though I think there's four or five other songs here that could basically do the same thing. And I think that's why I was initially driven towards Foxy Mop, was that it felt more like a study of life as opposed to you know Ed's individual struggles with, with fame and, and pressure of feeling like he's lost himself. Because uh, I don't know if all the rest of the band members necessarily felt the same way. And I think this was a very, very charged recording session because of, of how alienated folks like uh, just felt. You know, I mean, it was, it was recorded on the run in a lot of ways uh, during the Versus tour. So, but there, there's a compelling argument, like I said, for Satan's Bed, Immortality, I was really leaning that way. Not For You would be really, really easy too. But I'm going to go with Corduroy. I'm going to go with Corduroy because, uh, and I'm going to quote Eddie here. He said that uh, it's about a relationship and not between two people. It's more one person's relationship with a million people. Uh, and, and it talks a lot about the, the sacred essence of youth and how that gets exploited. And so I think that you know, you're talking about youth, you're talking about an older generation that likes to exploit that, to, to siphon off that energy and to, to profit off of it. Uh, you're also talking about a relationship with the entire world. In many ways, this song has a very nuanced, a far more underrated nuanced uh, look at life as a study than mm. I think it gets credit for. So going to go with that one. Well, I chose... Fi- no, I'm just kidding. Um, I am going to go with one of the songs you mentioned. I hope it's Satan's Pet. Man, wouldn't it be fun? But yeah, fun. it would. Because uh, I love that song and I can't wait when we finally get to the lyric of the week for that one. Uh, it's not for you. Good choice. This one for me kind of says it all. Uh, to your point, I had a hard time not picking Corduroy. But I feel like this song maybe sends the message in a better way for this exercise, at least. You mentioned something. You've mentioned this phrase, all the sacred comes from youth. That's literally a lyric in Not For You, even though that sentiment is, is also stated in Corduroy. Right. Um, I still remember, why don't you, this is not for you. I mean, that that right there, that might actually might have been our lyric of the week from this song, whenever the hell we did it. Um and if that isn't this album, I don't know what is. All the commentary on his room getting crowded, no room at the table. It's picking up um, what Last Exit put down, I think. Um, what we're doing now, the music we make, who we are, is not for you. We are in control in the community we've created. We won't stand for you trying to commercialize, commodify us. That's what he's saying. That, that, that's the album, man. Our truth, our lives are, are not something to rip off and exploit. This is real. And if you can't appreciate and respect that, then get the hell out of our way. It's the ultimate, like, it's punk rock, but it's it's the ultimate um, kind of like, it's, it's the loudest version of 
we are ourselves. Stop trying to rip pieces of us off and sell them like you would, you know, the, a, 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 like Topps Trading Cards does this, where they'll take like a player's jersey and they'll cut like, you know, a tiny little one by one inch square and they'll put it in the pack for you. Ooh, check it out. It's like, that's what they're, what they thought media was trying to do to them. And I love how simple and direct the music is in this song. It's, it, it's an Ed song. And it, it's funny because while the album is full of simpler songs from an arrangement and writing point of view compared to a lot of the earlier stuff versus in 10, um, the album as a whole is much more multifaceted and complex, I think. So I love the dichotomy here of such a massively layered topic being focused through such a narrow hole. So for me, while Corduroy is a perfectly, if I can borrow a Simpsons term, cromulent choice, uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> that was for Brandon out there. That was for Brandon from Better Band Podcast. Um, uh, not for you is my choice. Uh, it, you know, it, it's a solid choice. Eddie said that uh, these attitudes out, out there, that it's the industry's music. It's not. It's mine and it's yours. Whoever's listening to it, it's mine and it's yours. So Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Well, let us know what you guys think. Um, I'm sure most of you probably chose one of those two, but if you did not, if you chose Foxy Mop or Pride 2 or I Davinita, please. Hell, it could be Bugs. Bugs actually would be a great choice. They actually played, it. they actually played Bugs, right? They yeah. did, but Philadelphia, three, right? Wasn't I think technically three times, according to this our friends at Live Footsteps. But we digress. Um, it's time to move on though to our lyric of the week well you know how i like to do things here create a through line so of course the lyric of the week will come from vitalogy not many options left in this record we're going with last exit All right, Paul, would you like to go first? Um, you know, this, the, this song, I want to say, if I recall, it's Stip's favorite on the album. It might have been. I think it might have been. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting way to begin the album. You get the, those pounding drums. It's a Dave song, right? So it's on such an Ed-centric album. It's really interesting to, to kind of listen to a song like Last Exit and like really try to to analyze this uh, it, it's it's an angry opening to an album it really 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 is um but it's 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 just a a uh, a, a rapid lively song i think in a lot of ways and i think it sets the tone for the album in a lot of ways you know how fame kind of opens up opportunities for you and, and it creates and it expands the bandwidth of of your life but it also turns you into th- this this tortured soul <laughs> by making you this exploited piece of merchandise in a lot of ways. Um, there's a sense of urgency in this song that I don't think that we get on most of the other songs on the album. And it's an interesting, you know, you get the water metaphors, the ocean dissolving the past and trying to forget who you were back then and, and, and or trying to remember, I should say. Um, a lot of metaphors in this song, though. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it almost over the top in some places. Um, that said, though, I, I do think that there's a certain... That, ur- that urgency that I mentioned is this, this last exit in order to try and preserve whatever it is of you that you, you want to hold on to before you get swallowed up by this machine, I think is, is really, really important. It's an important tone setter, like I said, for the album. But I also think that it's unique in the sense that there's, there's a, a human personal element to it. Line you cited, look, ma, watch me crash. No time to question. Why'd nothing last? Grasp and hold on. We're dying fast. Soon be over. And I will relent. I, I can't help but think of like James Dean. You know what I mean? This mm. you're just 
speeding through the Hollywood Hills and you end up losing your life in a vicious car wreck. And it's like, what were you running from? You know what I mean? And, uh, and it's just, it, it's, it's a timeless tale in a lot of ways, <clears throat> ever since the advent of, of fame and, and Hollywood and, um, even the music industry, obviously it's, so I think that in a lot of ways, this is a, it, it's, it, it's a tragedy in, in so many ways because well, yeah. have, it is, I mean, you, you have a protagonist that during a, a part of life where you're supposed to be so full of vitality, you know, and vitology, vital, vitality, you find yourself crashing and burning and you just, you, it's like unrelenting this, this, uh, siphoning of your soul and you can't help but crash. And it's like, it, it happens faster than you can process. You know what I mean? You can't even question why none of this lasts and you're just holding on and you're dying fast. And it's, uh, I think it's, it, it's an important song in the catalog. I think it's, you could make the argument that this is uh, an essential song as well. You know, neither one of us picked this song, but just sure. having this conversation, I think there's a compelling argument there too. You know, honestly, I think this is the first published moment that Pearl Jam moved on. We spoke about the birth of No, and I think musically, this is that this is the fruit of that. Right. Uh, the ver this verse is exactly the band's beginning. Uh, the birth of the band yielded wild success, meteoric rise, one. Um, that stripped the guy's ability to feel like themselves, let alone the band they wanted to be or the control of that band. They had no time to question anything. That was, this was the rocket ship of their own creation. But the industry and media, as we've mentioned, were wrangling control of the steering wheel. They thought that they'd have to simply grasp and hold on lest they lose themselves in admission of finality an acceptance that their fate was sealed soon to be over and they will relent. Of course, this is just the prologue to the change coming. This is how the band Eddie really felt the first three years of their existence was. But as we mentioned many episodes ago, the birth of no, they realized in late 92 that they had the ability to chart their own path, but much like a cruise ship, it's not an easy or swift process to change direction, let alone rest away control of the ship they created away from the labels, managers, media, and hangers-on. So Versus was like the immediate visceral reaction, aggressive, unabashed, and direct, familiar to fans of 10, but certainly a punch to the head. Of course, a lyric that Eddie would later use on Supersonic. To those who were trying to suck every last scent out of the band, regardless of whether or not it killed it. And this is why Versus is so important to the Pearl Jam story. But Vitalogy and the sequencing of it was so important. This song is the contemplative reaction to all of it. They were announcing that they had control of the ship again. And this first verse is simply the acknowledgement of what got them here. For those who didn't know what was happening, this is your prologue. Pearl Jam was inviting you into the next chapter and they once again had the pen in their hand. So I think it really is one of those songs that for me for a long time was a lot of fun. Enjoy the musicality of it. Never really thought too, too hard about the lyrics in a lot of ways, like other songs we've, we've talked about. Save You always comes to the top of my mind, although there's been others. But man... If you think about that first verse in the context of the rest of the song and then the album, we haven't done a retracking re re of this album yet. It's going to be damn hard not to choose Last Exit as <laughs> the opening track now. Yeah, I mean, even the opening line, actually, which, which you didn't include in, in the lyric, lives opened and trashed. You know? Yeah. It's a lot happening. I, I like that line, uh, under your tongue, I'm like a tab. I will give you what you're not supposed to have. Oh, we're not doing the second verse. <laughs> I know we're not. Uh, there you go. Uh, how do you guys think about this song and, and, and well, in this lyric specifically, um, especially in the context of the album and the band's career? I think it's this album is so pivotal. It's such a pivotal album because 
you see 10, you see no code, but it's, it's, it's the metamorphosis of the band for, within verses and vitality. That's really the most intriguing thing for me, at least. Um, cool. Let's then get to our favorite live version of this song with our live cut of the week. Ready? Right, Paul, live cut of Last Exit. I believe it was played a few times before the album came out. I, I, I want to say yes. Am I right? Well, I got to check my, yeah. my left footsteps to confirm that. Usually I have the tab up, but I had closed my Safari window and it went away. Uh, the first time it was played was... 1993, November 16th. And I believe it was played, it looks like seven times before the album came out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Is our live cut coming from pre album or post album? Post. Okay. Fact. Yeah. Um, it, obviously, it's coming before No Code comes out, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to DC on. Uh, January 14th, mistaken this was as many of the songs on this night were the first live performance of this song with jack right yes um what i thought was in, intriguing here was that it was the the voters for choice benefit mm-hmm. right so this this was this particular set list here i thought was interesting because so much of this song is about choice the choice to make that last exit and I think it's interesting that the the sense of urgency in the song is in a lot of ways a metaphor for what Pearl Jam's activism is all about, which is an urgency to act. And I thought that this particular performance in 1995 was very much inspired, given the context of that performance and the setting that they were in at uh, Constitution Hall in D.C. 
and uh, I don't know. I just I just think all of those contextual factors just seem to drive what I think is an outstanding, charged, and very very uh, motivated performance. Um, it seems weird to not choose a a version where where Dave is the one that's kind of spearheading it. He co wrote the song, right? I know, um, but. I do feel that there was something about, I mean, they're just, they didn't play it as often as I thought they would actually. And, and I don't, I, I'm, I wonder if a lot of that had to do with the friction of the band with Dave, or at least Ed with Dave mm-hmm. and all the other performances of it never seemed to quite hold up in the same way. And I can't help but feel like the fracture between Eddie and Dave might have affected those performances. I also don't find the sound quality of most of them to be overly it, exemplary. It's, it's hard to find good quality boots from yeah. 1995. I, I, I don't know why. Um, someone just did a uh, post. Um, they tweeted a link to something called the Monkey Wrench Chronicles, which was a, a box set, a fan-made box set of five i want to say it was five shows from 95 in apparently very good audio quality yeah um that person tweeted out links to the to the we transfer links um to download those for free apparently that was hard to come by for the longest longest time and now it's available i I haven't listened to it personally just yet but i'm curious to go back to them i think you you saw like city and sacramento right yeah there's some we'll see shows it shows but it's hard um, they were hard to come by right they they were so uh, I think given the the, um, the production value on this cut and the context behind it, and the fact that I just feel like it's an outstanding rendition, excellent performance. For me right now, it's the, the standard for, for a live version of it. Uh, I would very much love to, to get a better quality boot from, from when Dave was sitting behind the drums, but Again, I mean, a lot. Even the versions I've heard, a lot of them just seem. It's not that they weren't in sync, but you you could tell through a lot of those performances that this was a band that was cut. They were unraveling. You know what I mean? Mm. They, they they had the Ticketmaster thing. They were traveling all over. It just it feels like this was the type of song that uh, Dave's contribution is will forever be immortalized in the studio version, but live, I don't know if we're ever going to truly get a quintessential cut with him there, but I would love to hear a great one. If, if one of our listeners has a version with Dave sitting at the drums, that is, is a real standout that you think gives us one to run for the money. Let me know. I would love to hear that. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be great. If you guys could find one, if you have it, uh, let us know about it. There you go. Um, that is the show. And as I promised at the very top, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, mm-hmm. we're, 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 we're diving into Patreon, guys. So starting July 1st, we will uh, allow allow y'all to hop on board. Um, the the perks. What, what do you get as a patron? Well, I'll tell you. Once a quarter, that's every three months, we will do a live Q&A with all y'all mm-hmm. um, over Zoom. And uh, we will record it and make it available after the fact for those of you who can't make it um, on a private uh, either Venmo, Venmo, oh my God, either private uh, Vimeo or YouTube link. Uh, once a quarter, we'll pick a patron at random to join us for a Lyric of the Week. Now, you could choose one of the songs we have not done. You can choose a song we have done, but a different lyric from that song, and we'll invite you on, and we will talk about that song and that lyric and uh, get your take. Um, we will also do um, twice a month, a new this series. Is, this is a big one. I think this, this is the, uh, the crown jewel of our Patreon. <laughs> the crown jewel. <laughs> so there, there is a piece of software that we have here that allows us to do some interesting, almost like TV show quality stuff. And what we're going to do is we are, you'll be able to see us. First of all, we are going to, kind of pick at random whatever YouTube has available in the history of the band's live career. We'll pick a performance of a song anywhere in the world, any tour, and we will watch it and do basically director commentary uh, of that performance, which I'm assuming Paul and I have probably not seen just because 
there's so many videos out there. I probably haven't seen it, but I'm sure there'll be some where we pick, you know, pink pop 92 or something like, like that. And basically analyze the song performance of whatever song we choose. So twice a month, we will, we will drop those for our patrons. And the last bit is special access, um, exclusive access to uh, patron uh, merchandise. So we've, we've put out there, that there are two um, shirts available to anybody, but there will be uh, certain items that are not available to everybody that you will have the option to procure if you so choose. So all that stuff and more because we, we value your input. Um, we will hope that you guys would also in these Q and A's that we do talk about certain things that you want to hear from us, other segments you want to do new topics um, for shows, all that good stuff, new merch ideas. We are, we are indebted to you guys. So um, that's all part of that as well. The cost. What's, what's the rub here, my friend? What, what, well, the rub is uh, pretty much whatever it is you're spending on a cafe mocha at Starbucks these days. What size are you talking? Venti? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Venti. I have no idea how or much no, uh, Grande, Venti. I said Grande, well, right? I don't know. Grande? The, can't they just go small, medium? I don't know. Look, point is, first of all, nobody gets just a cup of gel at Starbucks anymore. It's like a skinny peppermint uh, flan, mocha, something. I don't know. Half-calf <laughs> skinny. Exactly. And, 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 and it's all like, you know, $4.95, $5.35. I don't know what it is, but it's uh, basically for $5 a month. $5. You get that delicious blend of Pearl Jam goodness you get a full sandwich uh, yeah exactly sans sandwich but (laughs) i think look i think that uh if i was a listener and this is the way that you and i talked about this you know if we were listeners of this podcast what would we find interesting you know yeah Uh, first the 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 chance to be a part of a community and i think that that's an important piece there the chance to have access to something that we may ordinarily not have access to otherwise the chance to, to get more content. If you're listening to this, for some reason, you like us. <laughs> yeah, know. that's true. It's, Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? So if you like us enough to listen to us once a week, then there's an outside chance that once or twice more a month, we might be able to put something together for you that's off. That's different, completely different from what we're doing on this show mm-hmm. that you might also find interesting as well. And, and, being able to reward folks for that. And then, you know, like I said, just giving people the, the opportunity to interact with us as well, to, to, to have a voice. We talked about what made the, or at least I talked about what made the last exit track, that live version so great at the, at the vote for change uh, benefit. And I think in a lot of ways that that ability to exercise your voice is important. And there's, there's nothing better than being able to feel like you can somewhat influence content, but by at least exercising your voice and saying, Hey, I'd love to hear you guys do this. Or, Hey, you know, let's talk about this lyric and I would like to be on the show. I mean, having that opportunity, I think is something that uh, builds community. And it's just a wonderful way for us to, to say, to say thank you, obviously to all of you who are listening, but also it's a nice way to give you an opportunity to enjoy something that I hope, will leave you far more satisfied than a, uh, a caramel uh, macchiato with cinnamon dolce something in it. <laughs> Paul has never ordered anything from Starbucks <laughs> as evidenced by all that. Uh, I will say also that you'll have pro- possibly noted, noticed that uh, two of our favorite episodes ever were the show um kind of live from and after the fact of the forum shows where we got to see some of you guys and talk to you and interview you um mike and jason specifically um and the sexy vegan stalking paul in the parking lot fantastic um which by the way we're gonna do something with him pretty soon and also the fan forum uh with our friends from australia that was allowed allowed us to know jason in the first place when 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 he came to the la shows so the the whole community aspect is massive to us. Um, there are other podcasts uh, in the Pearl Jam community, and we love those guys, and they've got their own community. And we're all kind of in the same community, but this is one specific to us that we hope you guys want to want to join and hang out. Um, and there's always new things too. This isn't this is what we came up with now, but you know that maybe maybe there's contests that we do in these Q and As, and the winner gets a live boot of their choice because we have access to all of the live boots. 
We'd yeah. like to help you guys out and, and, and grow your collection. So who knows? Maybe that's part of it. Um, but anyways, we will talk at the first Q and a, uh, in a, in a little bit. And, and, and you know, now, it, it's June 6th. We have a couple more weeks of promoting this, this Patreon opportunity yeah. as well. So I think every episode we will bring it back up again, not because we're greedy bastards. Cause like I said, your, your caramel, <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Look, whatever it is you're spending no once idea. a week on coffee, it's probably the equivalent of this. Paul, um, Paul goes and he, he, I drink matcha. I, Paul, I, I, Paul I, drinks I, tea. I make my own matcha. Uh, I do. I'm guy, guy, the little, the little, yeah, yeah. What's exactly. that thing called? The, the little, whisk, the whiskey guy. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I'm a scotch drinker too, but that, that, that's a, a story for another. See, but these are the kinds of the conversations more, you can have if you're part of our than, <laughs> You want to help Paul buy bottles of scotch. Oh God! We are not calling belong, our belong, Patreon Paul Scotch. Belong, belong, belong to bad our, pre- optics, our premium this level. Forty nine dollars a month so that Paul can buy bottles of scotch. You get nothing but to watch <laughs> Paul get drunk. I assure you, it's fabulous. Anyways, we're babbling now. Um, I do little final encore. The band's walking back out on the stage for one last song. This is it. Um, we're gonna do another fan form. If you are from the United Kingdom, Scotland, Wales, England get at us i gotta i have a couple folks who are interested in being on that show um the, the australia fan form as i just mentioned was fantastic it was a lot of fun our next stop uh was going to be poland but they're kind of um adjacent to some shit right now and our friends out there who are helping us coordinate that are a little preoccupied mm-hmm. as one can imagine so we're gonna put them on the back burner we'll, we'll go visit eastern um europe in a little bit we're going to uh, jump to uh, the UK. So if you're from the UK, you got some stories, you want to talk to us on the fan forum, get at us and we'll put it together. Because I want to get that done before the um, Hyde Park shows in July. So just a few weeks away. Let us know. Paul, this was a hefty episode, my friend. It was. A lot a lot heftier than I thought it would be. A lot happening here. Original That's all right. Okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, remember... Rate, review, subscribe, feed the algorithm. The algorithm. There you go. And until we see you next week, you have been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Yeah.